0: O Heavenly King, the Comforter of the Spirit of Truth, watch everywhere present and fill us to all things, treasure of blessings and giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity and save our souls a good one. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I know we have, at least with us this morning, uh, two new folks who are joining with us for catechesis. Uh, the last uh, catechetical class what has been posted on the podcast. Uh, can you pass this back? It's to Nicola and Gabrielle there in the back corner. Does anyone else need a copy of that? In the last class, we went over the introduction, kind of went over the syllabus, as it were, expectations, uh, mm. but also basically 12 things to incorporate as a rule of life as you are discerning coming into the church. Um, What we are going to talk about today and what was assigned, does anyone uh, need a physical copy of the book as opposed to an online source? (laughs) Did everybody do the reading for this week? I did. did it like four months ago. You did it like four (laughs) months ago? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If anyone needs a physical copy, I ordered more. So if you'd like to, I'm somebody who definitely wants a physical copy. I, as much as like I read on the internet, if I'm actually going to try to actually understand what I'm reading in some like sensitivity of depth, I need to like have a physical book and mark on it, etc. Uh, so what we're talking about today is, uh, in many ways this is a, a very practical class. A lot of catechesis is a lot of practical things of introducing you to the life and practices of the Orthodox Church. So if you're wanting like a deep dive into Trinitarian theology or the Christological debates of the Ecumenical Councils, this is not the class where we're going to talk about those things. So we're going to hit on those things at high points throughout the class. But this is, as I've said, like a 30,000 foot kind of overview and introduction. So this class, specifically this class, it's going to be very pra- we're going to talk about very practical things like how do you kiss an icon? Uh, how do you greet a priest? Uh, how do you walk into an Orthodox Church? You might be wondering, well, you open the door and you walk in, right? (laughs) Like, that doesn't seem to be complicated. But I'm sure uh, as soon as probably the first time you walk to an Orthodox Church and you see people, well, first you walk in here, we've got a side entrance. So you, like, immediately walk into a group of people. uh, And then you're seeing them do things and you're wondering, like, is there, you know, like, during COVID we had all those, like, you should only go this direction on the floor, type things. If you were wondering if somebody, or like birds, know the pattern they're supposed to fly, so we'll go. We'll go over those things. Uh, was there anything from the readings that stood out to you, or any questions from the reading?
1: I got one about the iconostasis.
0: Kind of yes, how they were talking about in recent times it's become more of a wall used you see? So, the iconostasis, can you bring that up as, walk, as we walk through the building so that I can talk about that? Uh, the question was about, uh, in the reading there was a discussion or a reference to the iconostasis has become, ours is not mu- as much of a wall mm-hmm. as if you went to like a, when I was in Russia, you, you walk into a church and the iconostasis is, you know, almost to the wall. Um, wall not the wall the ceiling uh the wall that's up there right uh, <laughs> and we're talking about like it could be three stories tall and it's just all icons uh, so there there was a progression and development there what was the main drift or what was of the section on the church
1: you go
0: how we meet God, thank you, is the first few pages kind of laid it out. That if you are used to worship where there's an emphasis, especially in America, like it doesn't really matter where you worship. You can just worship God anywhere you want, which there is truth to that. Like, you can. I mean, we I, we can do outdoor liturgies. It's very hard to hear. We had to do them at one point because of the aforesaid COVID stuff. Uh, cars make a lot of noise out there. Uh, but the reality of uh, the Orthodox Church, and as you're reading you're probably wondering why this building is not laid out the way that the readings are describing. Can, you, can anyone hazard a guess as to why we don't have it laid out that way? Because build we didn't build the building, <laughs> we took over the building. This used to be two different offices. I think an engineer and then like a dentist office. Uh, there used to be an entry where there was kind of a narthex that you would walk through this side, and there was walls, and this was like coffee hour area, and then it was all church. I'm sure of your experience of so this morning. There's a reason why we took down the walls because there was like no space at all for people. Uh, so now this is, of course, not an optimal space where we. Uh, Have church and then we transform it into coffee hour. I don't know about you guys, but when right before uh, Coming out to to do communion for the faithful. I got a gigantic whiff of something from a crock-pot, right? Like (laughs) it's Distracting it's not optimal, but this is also the reality that the church uh, Historically, if how many of you have heard that the church started out and it was basically house church Okay when you're talking about house churches in like the first or second century, we're not talking about a, uh, a subdivision. Like <laughs> uh, we're talking about like a Roman villa, right? Like there would have been a space that would have been dedicated, and it would have been up, done up like a church. Uh, has anyone heard of Dura Europa? Yeah, that's like Tell the, me what what is that? It's like the earliest Christian church uncovered uh, archaeology. <clears throat> So, oh. my understanding is it's not actually it's Christian, oh, okay. it's not it's Christian, it's Jewish from <clears throat> the second century I believe, and is it bare bones like a Puritan uh, thing inside of it? What's, what's on the walls? All through, over the walls? The cherubim. The cherubim, <laughs> the prophets, Elijah, like it is like you walk into a Byzantine style church, or an Orthodox church, except it's not a church. I, it makes sense that you like your memory. Like that looks like a church, right? So the reason I'm bringing this up, most people say Judaism, right? Like therefore, uh, or house church shouldn't have an elaborate church. There shouldn't be any decoration. There should not be anything like uh, iconoclasm. You are all familiar with the word iconoclasm, right? Like against icons. So there should just be bare bones, right? Uh, that's how I grew up. Uh, there was nothing on the walls except the baptistry had a very like bucolic country scene of a river uh, with like a deer drinking out of the <laughs> river. Anybody else have that experience? Okay, if you didn't, you probably didn't grow up in the South in the Protestant church, uh, which there there's a meaning there that there's still even if there's like everything else is white and they have this kind of scene. There's this desire, even in the most like iconoclastic setting, we have to make it look pretty. We're going to put fake flowers, or we're going to put, like, even in that context, as I think back, we always, always had fake flowers, now that I think about it. I've never really thought about that before. <laughs> it was always fake flowers. Um, but in the Orthodox Church, uh, just like the temple, and this is where the theme, uh, our worship is modeled off of Jewish temple worship. If you were to go into uh, a second temple, by second temple Judaism, I mean it's a time period of Judaism. So after the destruction of the temple, uh, where the Jews have gone, they've been in exile, and then they return, and then they rebuild the temple. And this is called that period is called like second temple Judaism. Uh, this is the context in which our Lord would have been operating. Uh, There was a Jewish scholar who once visited an Orthodox church, I believe it was Jacob Neusner, who if you put in his name you're just going to get tons of stuff on Talmud uh, and early Christian, early Jewish uh, relations, uh, talking about going to an Orthodox church and basically saying that was like a second temple Jewish experience because the things that we do. Has anyone ever been to a synagogue before? Uh, I crashed a bat mitzvah once. Uh, I was assigned to go for a class. So the way that we have, where the gospel book comes out, where the deacon brings the gospel book out and kissing it and venerating it, uh, it, the Jews do the exact same thing in synagogue. You take the Torah out, you are kissing the Torah, you sing to the Torah, like there's this whole, I won't say pageantry in a negative sense, but like we, a lot of what we do, uh, you can see similarities in synagogue. So when you're walking into an Orthodox church uh, you're walking into, especially a custom-built Orthodox temple, you're walking into a theological statement and an experience. You're not just walking into a gym or a stadium or a theater, right? Uh, you are walking into, uh, what is the first room that you would walk into if you're a purpose-built Orthodox church? Do you want to remember the name for that? Narthex. Narthex. Sadly we don't have a Narthex. Uh, Narthex is actually where some of the services actually start, so a catechumen is made uh, in the narthex. Uh, When two people are to be married and they're they're betrothed to each other, the service is in the narthex. Uh, There are other services that happen in the narthex. What would be a similarity between being made into a catechumen uh, and then like being espoused or made, (coughs) not espoused, but betrothed to each other? Why would that happen in the narthex? A little louder, Savannah. It's similar to marrying the
1: church, like becoming one with the church. So there's a
0: similarity there, but specifically why is it in the narthex? Well, it's the introduction. It's it's an introduction, right? The narthex is this transitional space where you're leaving the world and you're coming into... You don't immediately go into the nave, right? Or the central part of the church. You go into this transitional space, uh, which is usually where all the hubbub... There's also a lot of practical reasons for this. this is like the outer courtyard of the temple where there was a lot of exchange like there's a lot of things going on right this is where uh, you're you're putting some money in to get the candles this is where you take your kids out <laughs> when they're a little too fussy or like giving that space for your kids to be like we're in church this is a trans. it's almost like a little mini church even or like mm-hmm. you have icons that are set up and you're usually venerating the icon. So, in our narthex, I'm putting up scare quotes here, right? Because uh, we, we used to have one. Uh, you'll see that people when they first walk into the church uh, they are walking into the church and then they're going over to these icons that are up against the wall that's like close to my office and that that is the where they first go. Uh, if we had a different setup they would be walking into a narthex instead of a kind of walking across the entire church in order to do that um that is where you first encounter icons uh does anyone have any questions about venerating an icon you all know how to venerate an icon i don't not really i mean i watch people but... sorry for my reach all right i'm just going to demonstrate for you if you need to stand up because there's enough heads in here uh when you are encountering an icon, one of the first things that you're doing in encountering an icon is to know who is being depicted in the icon uh, or what event is being depicted in the icon because we don't just mindlessly engage and kiss uh, the icon. I mean, you can do that. That's not the idea of what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, is there, let me, before we even venerate, does everyone know how to make the sign of the cross? So it's... These together like this, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, right? So it's not like this, and it's not left to right, it's right to left, right? This is differentiating between the Roman Catholics. Uh, God bless them, but that's not how we do things, okay? Uh, does anyone know there's a, the reasoning for th- the three like this? Trinity. The Trinity, and then what's going on with the two left over? Two of the two natures of Christ. Uh, whether or not. Go ahead.
1: Oh, is it like also Jesus coming down to earth? Is that a part of it, or is that? Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> this is
0: part of the thing about like when people start making all these like little uh, explanations of things. Uh, if it's within the realm of like, it's Matthew. So, you're gonna sit at the front of the class, Matthew. <laughs> Sorry. There's no. There's no other. So, <laughs> so, when you are ma- making the sign of the cross, you're also, it's, you know, you're starting here, father, son, you, like, basically go to your belly button, right? Uh, and then do it. You will see, I call this the fly swatter, uh, yeah. right? <laughs> right? That's not really making the sign of the cross. It's, that's, you will see that in a lot of places. My, my. Uh, Encouragement to you is when you're doing it that it doesn't become a mindless act. Uh, Are you going to catch yourself at times? Uh, There's a kind of mindlessness, but like uh, what I mean by that is like instinct, where you're not like I am now making the sign of the cross, Father. Like you're not having the most pious, like uh, holy moment. But you you know the invocation of the Trinity. An ambulance goes by, and you'll see people, uh, especially pious Orthodox. Uh, When I was in Greece, you're passing by um, uh, churches or you're passing by uh, graveyards, cemeteries, you will see many people on the bus, like instinctively just making the sign of the cross because they're passing by a church. Uh, So making the sign of the cross is something that we're doing. We're remembering, of course, our Lord and his cross. Uh, remembering we're invoking the, the Trinity and it is a time for us uh, also in our own bodies right we are inscribing the cross into our body uh, there's also a protection this is just kind of like that guttural orthodox response to something is to make the sign of the cross <clears throat> obviously as you've seen in our worship like we make the sign of the cross like 50 million times during the services so when would you typically during a service make the sign of the cross when you hear the Trinity invoked, yes. Yeah. The Theotokos, you, basically anything that you guys say, I'm going to say yes to. <laughs> so there are some who will be very like you, but like I also, if you notice, don't try to look for this. But I see this a lot of like somebody does it and then somebody like sees it out of the corner of their eye, like yes. oh I should do it too. <laughs> <laughs> like this, like, it happens at the altar all the time. Like somebody does it. And then you just kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe I missed something. And then you're like, oh, no, they just are in prayer and then they made the sign of the cross. None none of these, like, I'm sure that you've noticed in being in Orthodox services, there is a formality to what we are doing. But this is like you're going to a formal dinner at your best friend's house as opposed to like you're going out on a black tie event and you feel like you, you know, there is a a homeliness to it even though there is a formality to it because we're talking about god we're not talking about a tyrant we're talking about him who died for us so there is in this uh a document that um i would like for you i've actually put on the website and it's something i'm going to be emailing out as a reminder to the parish in general about church etiquette Uh, many of us have been in different church situations some of us have not been in church situations in a long time Uh, or just wondering what the general way of being in a church is basically my advice is shh right like we are here for this purpose and again this is why this double use is like complicated Uh, when you have kids you have a special cross uh, or crosses uh, in services because you have to manage your kids but you are coming to church to pray Uh, you are coming to be able to encounter God so if you're there and you're, like, the whole time, like, then you're, this is what you're focused on. Uh, that doesn't mean, like, if you see somebody's hair catch on fire that you just silently pray and hope that it goes away. <laughs> you help them because it's going to smell really bad. In the instance, <laughs> almost every posca somebody burns their hair because there's lots of fire going on. You'll know what I'm talking about when we get there. That makes it sound like flamethrowers or something. It's not flamethrowers. Um, but the the reality, there is... And it's this like fine line of, it's not somber in the sense of like someone has died and like we need to be sad, but there is a kind of uh, seriousness, sobriety instead of somber about being in church and what we're doing there. Uh, so like goofing off, etc., cetera, et cetera, it's just not acceptable. Now, little kids, they're little kids, but at the same time, we have to train kids up to, so they can figure out how to be in that space. Uh, especially if your kids are new to it, it's gonna take some time. Uh, and some kids, it might take more time until they grow up or something, because some kids are just, they're wired differently. So, back to venerating an icon. Does anyone have any questions before, yes?
1: Um, yeah, sometimes I see, maybe that's one, I have new contacts so I can't see great, but um, sometimes the fingers
0: are doing like that or something, something more like that, what does that mean? <coughs> so, in a lot of the icons, there is, I have to find a website. In, rhetor- in the, the Greco-Roman world, speak. public speaking was what everybody who was going to serve in some public capacity was trained to do, right? You were taught how to speak. There was in the ancient world, when somebody's up and speaking, they would have hand sig- there, there was a whole thing that they'd have hand signals. So this, as I was describing la- last week, uh, when I am saying, like, peace be with you all... This is the name of Jesus. I see XC being made by my hand. Uh, sometimes, like, our Lord has it uh, there, but you'll see others where it means, like, uh, authority, or like, th- there's a lot of different meanings. I don't remember all of them off the top of my hand because I have way too many things to try to remember. Uh, so, if you shoot me an email, I can try to find the link to it. Um, any other questions? Yes? John, first and then. When
1: do you touch the ground
0: after the sign of the cross and what exactly
1: is that? What is the meaning of it? I'll I'll tell you. Yep. That was my question. Wow, okay.
0: (laughs) So, there's like three different ways of doing uh, the sign of the cross. Uh, In Greek, you say matania, which which is basically what is the word for uh, in Greek for repentance? Does anyone know? Metanoia, right? I'm sure there's some hip church on the other side of town called Metanoia, right? (laughs) Uh, Like Koinonia or something like this, right? So there's three different ways of making a a reverence, maybe in English or uh, metania. There is the kind of where you're just standing. Then there's one that there's kind of like a a bow from the hip, which is usually what you're doing when you're coming up to venerate an icon. But if, let's say, it's like a major feast, then you are, or you're just feeling more up to it uh, like there's a deeper reverence where you're like touching the ground, I've seen some people I don't know where this is coming from, people kind of like do this like swiping thing you don't have to swipe <laughs> I don't know where all these little things come up it's just monkey see monkey do type thing I think sometimes like one person maybe has a little bit more flamboyant and then they're doing that and then 15 other people start, and then a whole class of catechumens is doing it and my back is turned most of the time so I don't know what you guys are doing sometimes <laughs> it's not necessary to do that You can touch the ground. uh, And then there's even like when we get Lent to Lent, we're talking about a full matanya, which means like I'm prostrating to the ground. Uh, Especially for like major feasts, you'll see folks who will be prostrating all the way to the ground in front of the icon. When the cross comes out September 14th in the middle of Lent, we are doing full prostrations, even on a Sunday for the Sunday of the Cross. Sundays are typically. There's basically a rule from St. Basil that we're not to do full prostrations. Don't ask me why right after consecration that we do a full prostration on the altar. That's just what we do and what I've received, and that's how I do it. But And the, the faithful are not to do like full prostrations on Sundays. Can you imagine why you wouldn't do a full prostration? Space. Space. The final frontier, or ah. the, <laughs> physical limitations. So St. Ba- that's not St. Basil's reasoning is for it, not doing it resurre- it. Resurrection Day, right? We don't do full prostrations because of the resurrection on Sunday. Uh, this is why Lent, we're doing lots of prostrations, and then Pascha, we don't do prostrations for the Feast of Pascha. So there's always this physicality to what we are engaged with that the season of pen, penitential uh, season of Lent, that means we're doing full prostrations. Sundays, there's a light lessening because it's still always Resurrection Day, even during Lent. Okay, uh, I highly recommend you come to pre-sanctified liturgies during, I would like require you, you should come to pre-sanctified liturgies as much as you possibly can during Lent. Uh, this is on Wednesday nights. I think we'll do some Friday mornings. It just depends on it depends on a very. Lent is heavy liturgically, uh, pastorally, etc. So there's just a lot going on with Lent. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about Lent uh, next week when we talk about prayer and cycles of services. <clears throat> Any other questions? When you get ready to
1: say when you're blessing the bread and the wine, mm-hmm. now does people they'll
0: do the cross and then they'll go down to the yes. There, so there's a deeper. So it's basically like. We have, like, gradations of, I'll say, sobriety or seriousness or reverence. When we are talking about when the gifts are being offered and the Holy Spirit is descending, that is, if you're going to make a full, like, matanya where you're hitting the ground, that is the time to do it. So, uh, there, how do I say it? Yes, okay. <laughs> Got lost in the maze of my head there for a second. Okay, so when you are encountering an icon, this is an icon of the Feast of the Annunciation, right? Mm-hmm. Gabriel announcing to the Mother of God. This is a really simplified form because I think this is somebody like trying to learn how to do iconography, which is why it's not awesome. Uh, and it, there's no other, it's just the two figures in it. But you can tell it's Gabriel uh, blessing and the Theotokos receiving the, the word. And she's working on the veil to the temple there. That's a whole another thing. Uh, so, when you're encountering an icon, you would be praying you know, to the Mother of God, to Archangel Gabriel, and you'd be thinking about the event of God, uh, the ev- um, evangelismos, right? The, the gospeling, basically, is what the annunciation, we're used to annunciation, but in the Greek it's basically like the, go- the telling of the gospel to Mary from the Archangel Gabriel. So when you go up, you make two signs of the cross, you kiss. And when you kiss an icon, uh, yes, that means kiss. Please don't wear um, lipstick. Uh, lipstick can destroy icons. Uh, I understand why people wear lipstick, uh, but it's it's really not necessary at church to wear lipstick, uh, and especially for the sake of the icons. Uh, the ones that are, you know, like this, I mean, that, that's not going to hurt it, but like hand painted ones, it, the lipstick interacts with the stuff and it's not great, okay? Um, where would you kiss an icon like this? On the hands or feet. On the hands or feet, right? And because of this situation, I would just say down here is a great spot because it's just, there's an awkward up here. So uh, when in doubt, I always just go for a lower corner. Uh, you're not kissing them on the cheek, you're not kissing them on the lips, anything like that. Uh, you are greeting them. Why, why would you kiss an icon? A greeting? A greeting. <coughs> I had a, a friend, uh, so I grew up, my family, even though my last name is Greason, which is Germanic, a very Scotch-Irish in background, uh, burns and Lowell like... So when I encountered a good friend of mine who grew up in Puerto Rico... Uh, and he was Orthodox and I was entering into the church and, uh, in talking about veneration or kissing or blessings, uh, he would talk about when he would go ask to go play outside to his grandpa, uh, he would get a blessing from his grandfather and kiss his hand, which for an Anglo is just like, huh? (laughs) Because I think that's like years of Protestantism or generations of Protestantism. Like you don't kiss much of anything. Maybe your wife uh (laughs) right like there there is this just kind of like we know this generally like anglo cultures are much more like you stay over there and i'll stay here right and then like more southern mediterranean cultures are much more there's the kissing there's just much more so uh welcome to the mediterranean cultures that where all of this framed and just like more interacting and touching (laughs) uh we venerate and so in veneration you can tell in the word right we are giving honor respect and greeting uh, and pray, praying to the person who's depicted in the icon. Any questions about that? So, yes? When you say praying to the icon, what
1: are you pray? And what if you don't know who the icon
0: is? You can say, Saint who I don't know your name, pray for me. <laughs> 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 I'm sure I could come up with a Greek word, that could just say Saint I don't know. Uh, agnosis or like without knowledge uh so uh you can ask somebody uh there is when you are greeting in uh the icon over time at first like you're like that's all greek to me right (laughs) I, i cannot read that um does everyone know what icxc is is for why it's icxc no is it the initials or? it's initials yes Jesus Christ son of God yeah uh over the mother of God you'll have uh Mater right like and a lot of times what will happen with the the lettering I'm trying to find you see you can't see it on that icon but uh Mater Theon so mother of God right so it's just shortened down because you can't like write out these like paragraphs worth of stuff uh and many times the the iconographers will make things short so this is like the holy or like angel and they'll like put all the like they'll they'll put all of the letters together and like squish them together so that they can fit it on the icon over time you'll just get you'll start becoming a little minor in Cyrillic and in uh greek letters most icons are in uh that we have around here either English or there's going to be Greek or uh, Cyrillic, so, Slavonic. That's the like o- old English form of Russian or Slavic languages. Yes. So <clears throat> wouldn't it, whether it be Greek or Russian, it would be Christos would be the name. Yeah. Probably. So he, yes. yes, it's always I C X E. You might, the only other place I've seen differences in that is on the cross, where they'll have some will have the Latin but some will have like Slavonic up there instead of the uh, uh, sure. I in, I-N-R-I, right? Like the Irene, uh, they'll have different things up there. Because it was also on the cross, they had the different languages, like Greek, Latin, and Hebrew up there. Yes? Isn't that the true father that oh. oh, only in Christ's halo you have the cross? So yes, the only you. if you're ever wondering where Jesus is, if you find the halo with the cross, uh, that is Jesus. It is also Jesus is always the one that'll say "ho on," uh, which means "I am," right? From when uh, God was speaking to Moses in the bush, when Jesus was speaking to Moses in the bush, uh, that we're connecting Jesus to God, the "I am." Okay. Yes. Do you actually have to physically kiss it, or can you just get like real close? Is this a germ question? Yeah. Uh, if you feel really strongly about not kissing it like physically, you can do that. I'm still getting germs on you though. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. (laughs) Uh, Yes? Um, Is it okay that icons come in English? Do they ever come in in English? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean even in our church we have icons that have English on them. Uh (laughs) I mean, if you look at Iconostasis, I believe all of those are in English. Uh, the iconographer was Russian, but he's painting it here in America, so it's going to be in English. Uh, yes? Oh, well, how, what is the proper way to, like, obtain an icon? And if you do have one, how are you supposed to... If you pray for five days, it'll float down the near creek and you can go <laughs> pick it up. I'll believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of joking about that Because there are stories of icons that just appear uh, And then they are like what, Where did this icon It literally floated down the river And then they pick it up and it's a wonder working icon And there we go this is, Then we're in 16th century Kursk Or you know Omsk in, in Russia Or something okay So uh, there are certain websites What I am We have a church directory website Uh app thing called Realm, so what I would like to do is get everybody who's in the catechumen class uh, who have filled out, which reminds me, I know I have a good number of you uh, on there, but if you look at the syllabus, uh, there is at the very top of it, welcome, uh, sorry, where is this, this catechumen information questionnaire that's in the, the I, I need you to go there and fill that out so I have your email and some contact information and also just kind of basic information about you. Yes?
1: I think I signed up for the email after you sent it out, so where do I find it again?
0: All right. What's great about Substack is that you can go on the on the Substack website, uh-huh. uh, even if you haven't been sent the emails, and you can look back like two years now at all of our emails, okay. so it's all like publicly archived out there. Okay, thank you. Yep. Yep. If anyone's not signed up for the Substack, it's on the homepage. Put your email, you know, you guys have signed up for things. I'm sure you've signed <laughs> up for more things than you ever wanted to and need to unsubscribe for most of it. Uh, so, the route in to the church you come through the Narthex, you greet the, the first icons, you come then to the central analogian. Uh, this is the analogian, right? Uh, and that is either going to be the saint of the church. Uh, or it is going to be, for example, we're in the afterfeast of the meeting of our Lord. So we have the icon, of the meeting of the Lord, uh, you kiss that icon. Uh, so you do twice, you kiss and then you do one more time or the other way that you do it is you do it three times and and then kiss. Uh, so you hit the central analog I would have us all go out there, but there's too many of us and there's still like people talking out there and, it, and the, all, it just, it's just too loud and too busy. Okay. So you come to the central analogion, and then you move to the right one. Uh, and then you do the same greeting of the icon. And then you come, and when you are crossing uh, horizontally in front of the, the altar, you, make, uh, you bow and make a sign of the cross, because on the altar, and we'll talk about this a little bit, uh, is a reserved sacrament, the body and blood of our Lord is in the tabernacle on the altar so we are uh crossing that kind of like line so there is a piety to bow to the altar and our lord who is on the altar and then you go and you greet the other icon here people have added a little things here and there because of uh there seems to be a devotion to the memorial table with that has the crucifix attached to it uh so if other people are doing that and you want to imitate that mimic Mm. that that's fine uh, it's, it's also I would say it's not a necessary thing to do. Um, once you're done with the left icon then you basically return to uh, the congregation or, or standing. You can also, after you've done that very many people will have a devotion uh, to someone who else is depicted in the church uh, and I'll, there'll be some more icons that'll be added here in the next a uh, few years, and God willing, when we build the church, then there'll be more icons. So if there's particular devotions to particular uh, saints, then you would go and, and greet them and maybe ask for certain prayers, because we also uh, have certain people who are known for their prayers about certain things. So for example, when we're traveling, very often St. Nicholas is invoked, uh, That yes, yeah, Santa Claus, the Saint, that St. Saint <laughs> Nicholas is invoked for travel. Uh looking for a job, St. Xenia of St. Petersburg is invoked very often. Uh, somebody struggling with lust, St. Mary of Egypt. When we get to the life of St. Mary of Egypt, you will understand why that is one of the saints that we go to for that particular. Um, for those who have struggled with like, I don't know, a life of petty larceny, St. <laughs> uh, Moses the Black uh, is somebody who was a thief and uh, basically in gangs and stuff and then left that life. Uh, Those, except like magic. Saint Cyprian of Carthage is known for somebody that you would go to in prayers for that. There's all sorts of saints that because of their life and situations that you would ask for intercessions. Uh, We have, does anyone know the Saint Anthony of Padua uh, tradition, the Roman Catholic? If you've lost something, you pray to Saint Anthony of Padua. Ours is Saint Fenurios. That we go to to, and then when you you bake him a cake, mm-hmm. which is great because you get to eat it. <laughs> uh, it. It's pretty nice. I like Greek uh, desserts. Uh, and then I've known somebody here was telling me not long ago that they like lost something they really needed to find it. So they did a Saint Fenorios like cake, and like literally after they did that, there's the thing. Uh, this isn't magic that I'm talking about, but it's like there's also just kind of this like ritualization of. Uh, asking for something and going to someone uh, and asking for their prayers. Just like if you knew your you know, grandmother uh, was a church-going lady and you knew that she was, a, I'll use the terms, a prayer warrior, right? Like You would go to her and ask for their prayers. Well, you've got a lot more people that you can turn to and ask for. And they may even have specializations, okay? Any questions about that?
1: Is there, like, a list of all of the saints for us to go through?
0: Google. Okay. You will find all sorts of lists.
1: Like, do you just Google Orthodox saints? If you do Orthodox
0: saints and, like, I don't know what word you'd use, but you can, you know, find exactly what the the language is, but if it's, like, like sickness, I mean, we have all sorts of saints, uh, uh, for uh, mental health issues, uh, uh, Saint John Maximovich, Saint Xenio of Saint Petersburg. Uh, I would also say um, Saint. Uh, we would say Nahum, but Nahum. Uh, there's a devotion to him, or oh, Saint Cosmos and Damian. There was all these. Uh, uh, they call them the Holy Unmercenaries. So instead of m- mercenary doctors, like getting paid, they they helped people without money. There's a whole list of these: Cosmos and Damian, Cyrus and John, Bethleheman, Amalos. Uh, Saint Pantaleon has a devotion. I have a lot of oil uh, from his lampada that uh, burns before the shrine that's at the monastery in West Virginia. Uh, he's known for intercessions. Uh, Saint Nectarios uh, Pantopoulos, who is a 19th century Greek uh, bishop, is very known for his intercessions about like cancer. There's like Saint Stilianos, who's for kids there's uh, Joachim and Anne so our Anne is known for intercessions for folks who are having trouble with childbirth and pregnancies and things yes so you
1: just, you just use the example of praying to your grandmother do people actually do that or only like I meant saints? going
0: asking praying for your grandmother but I don't see why not if you think she's a holy lady you can just ask her the, so, where, so this is a good question it produces a question where do you think saints come from Obviously, God, like, helps them to become holy, but...
1: there canonization, where does that come from? Yeah,
0: like, canonization. What, is that, what does that mean? Does anyone know? The, the people. The people, right? The community. So, if your grandmother was well-known in the community <laughs> and there was a devotion to her, and then there was, like, miracles being attributed to her, then there could be a little icon that is made in that parish. So, for example now the synod has spoken the bishops have said in in the OCA in Alaska there's Matushka Olga uh, who there was a a, uh, there's all sorts of things that happened around her death and like things that she was doing and she was known as a holy lady uh, and then after her repose and there's these miracles being attributed like she's appearing to people in dreams uh, all of the and like telling them things and then like it's what happened like there's all these things that are happening around her so they are basically developed a local veneration for her where people are asking for her prayers uh we still like when i say matushka olga and like the litany for the departed we're still praying for her but what happens that synod has decided with that there's going to be an official canonization because there's basically been enough uh more broader veneration there's icons of her like in belarusia and like serbia and stuff now because there's just the devotion has spread so what happens is then the synod says we're now going to enter her into and they choose a date that she's going to be commemorated on and then they do the services uh like we would have vigil and before they would do like a pamihita like a memorial service for her but then in uh has anyone, who has been to vigil here has anyone been to vigil? So I highly suggest at some point coming to a, a vigil uh, so you'll know what I, I'm talking about but you when the icon, there's a certain part of Matins where we come out and we are basically doing. It's called the magnification. We magnify. We like whoever the feast is, or the feast is, or the saint is. That is then we do the. They bring out an icon that has been done of the saint, and then the magnification. Then for, then we don't do memorial services. And now she's like, there's a canon that is also for Matins. Like there's there's hymns that are that are done up, and now they're like a saint that the church recognizes and celebrates liturgically. But that doesn't mean that Grandma Olga... Let me try to do another name. Fotini, uh, Rachel, right? Like, that she is not holy. Because we also have a Sunday where we commemorate all saints, which is... And it's very clear in the hymnody, (coughs) for the saints that are not known. Because obviously the church does not always... Like, there's a holiness. There's also kind of a hiddenness about holiness. We don't always know uh, who has... Uh, that closeness to God but there are certain saints uh, that there's a palpableness. you know there's something there that people experience any other questions yes Well uh, so I know there's like not everyone becomes a saint but over time there's kind of a lot of them are, are certain saints celebrated like on the same day or do you pick one and say this is who we're celebrating today for? all right uh the saints uh typically especially if they're martyred it's the day of their martyrdom because that's seen as like their birthday into heaven to be the way we would speak right uh but like matushka olga they they moved it a little bit further away from when she died the day that she died because i i'm trying to remember which fe- there was a major feast that she died around uh i think it was like the leaf taking a dormish something like that so they moved it in- no it was the feast of the angels Of the archangels and angels so they moved it to where it wouldn't conflict with that particular feast because the angels there's a hierarchy of saints as well so for like us in america there's a great devotion to saint herman of alaska you go to greece they're not going to celebrate on that day herman of alaska there will be a martyr it might even be a local martyr of corfu and you're in a church in corfu and they have a great devotion to that saint and people in serbia have never heard of that saint So this is a reality that, like, there's local devotions to a saint from the seventh century that was in that monastery that now has been revived, and now there's a devotion to that saint. But they're all every every church has their own calendar. By church, I mean like the OCA has its own calendar that this is what we follow. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So when uh, the church day, when does the church day start? Is it 6 a.m. when you wake up in the morning? Saturday. Saturday sunset saturday evening so when we are preparing for sunday morning and the church is understanding because it's the jewish understanding the day starts at sundown so vespers is actually a transitional service to where at vespers i am commemorating at the end of vespers not the saints of that calendar day but the saints of the next calendar day because vespers is in anticipation for us but it's like it is the next day historically speaking the way they thought calendar wise Right. Yes. Do they use the one that you know the rabbis would about when you can no longer distinguish a dark thread from a light thread. That's when you pivot to the next day. I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> sounds interesting, but I don't know about that. You will yeah, have to tell it's me the about Jewish that. tradition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, what you have um, for us, and this is kind of like a typical weekend at an Orthodox church. Saturday Vespers is something that is kind of presumed that you are attending or at least trying to attend Uh, But this also is presuming a life where everybody walked, you know, three blocks in order to go to their church, right? So when you live 45 minutes away, that's going to be a little bit harder That doesn't mean that your Saturday evening cannot be uh, something that you are actually using to prepare for so for example, we have a fast where after midnight And I would suggest even the evening, you have a simpler meal, like uh, the television should be off, right? Like there should just be a simplicity on Saturday evenings because we're preparing to receive Holy Communion the next day. uh, Going to Great Vespers, is also a time that we typically hear, I hear confessions, uh, but it's also uh, for preparation, there are prayers uh, to do to prepare for Holy Communion. Uh, so, because the day is not starting the morning of, uh, when you're waking up and coming to church, there is uh, the hours. Is anyone when they first visited here and they're like, I thought they started at nine thirty. If you got here at like nine twenty-five, that's because we have the ser- there's basically a ser- there's a service before the service before the service as well. I usually get here like eight fifteen or eight o'clock in the morning because I have to prepare the Lamb, right? I have to prepare communion beforehand. Uh, So there is a service before we even do the hours. The hours are the 20 minutes uh, before the Divine Liturgy. So you can tell, like, there's wheels within wheels here. But that for us, uh, if you can come and be here at 910, that's great. If you've got, you know, three kids that are squirrely uh, or just young, then trying to shoot for a little bit before 930, uh, is a great goal the uh preparation uh suggestion is like you will get out of the liturgy what you have prepared your heart beforehand to receive from the liturgy uh i'm sure some of it has anyone gotten bored yet
1: Yes.
0: you've been here long enough <laughs> uh how about your mind wandering everyone should say yes right i'm i'm standing at the altar and the priest and my mind wanders right uh, i almost always have enough to do that i'm not bored but like some of that is actually for our sake because we do we attend to and we pay attention to so many things we need to like retrain ourselves for example like anna that we were uh, was talking about in the sermon today too. uh and in throughout our hymnody, there is the presumption of like Uh, we have an angelic role to play in worship and that we become like the angels when we worship, right? The Trubic Hymn is all about laying aside all earthly cares so that we can become like the angels, that we join the angelic hymn. So uh, coming to church, you know, uh, listening to the latest record of your favorite, you know, rock and roll band or rapper or something like that, do they still call them rappers? I don't even know I feel about the kids. I don't know. Uh I just call them artists. Artists now, or whatever your Spotify suggested list is or something, right? Like to try and like, if silence, like, do silence. Uh, if you can't, you can find on YouTube and you can find on Spotify, you can find the hours, you can find pre communion prayers read by somebody else. If it's hard for you, especially if you have kids and you're just like trying to get them out the door, without killing them, uh, (laughs) then putting on the background, like the, the pre communion prayers or like the, the prayers that you're doing for preparation so that you can be ready when you get here, because otherwise you get here and it takes you 30 minutes to calm down (laughs) 30 minutes to like slow down a little bit. Uh, and then engage and like, you're not even present until like after the homily or something. Right. Uh, so when you are uh coming into the church there's also if you can find some prayer books they'll tell you prayers when you're walking in the door like all sorts of things you don't have to do that but just be mindful when you're walking into the church you're walking into the church right uh have your lips move less um but especially that you are striving uh to pray if your mind wanders don't beat yourself up about it and think that you should already be angelic right just bring it back pay attention to the words of what's being said if there's a word that jumps out at you sit on that or that phrase sit with that phrase and then come back and re-enter and be present if you are wrestling with kids like try as much as possible and your patients are wrestling with kids to still like be prayerful in the midst of that Uh, this is why home life can be a great preparation for church because it's really basically the same thing you're just in a different context right you have to manage your kids at home Uh, Another reality that I am missing and talking about when you're walking in church. What's another thing that you would do when you're entering into a church?
1: Make the sign of the cross.
0: Make the sign of the cross. What else would you do? Light a candle. You, I mean, you can throw money. If you're not lighting candles because you don't have cash on you, uh, just grab some candles. Okay? It's Okay. If you're thinking that we're like counting how many candles have burnt down and like looking at the dollar bills and like something's off, nobody's doing that. Uh, that is just a way. All the candle money actually goes to mercy funds, and we actually all the candle money is used uh, to like um, uh, birth crisis centers. To like, we give money out from the candle. It becomes or like there's a family in the parish that is like an emergency situation or they need. Help going to a, a special surgery in another state, and we'll give them five thousand bucks in order to help them. That's coming from the candle fund, okay? Uh, so it's not just that we're trying to cover the cost of the candles. That helps, but that's not really what it's for. Yep. How
1: much? How much is are you supposed to? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think there's a sign back there. There is. I think it's a dollar a candle, and I think it's five bucks for the big old honkin'. Like more, I, I associate that with Roman Catholic. Uh, there's just not a picture of the Sacred Heart of Mary or something on it, uh, but I think those are five bucks. They're bigger. They burn for like a week. So, does that make it more effective? no but maybe like your grandma's going into surgery and you want like a little bit more intention and you want a longer burning candle um where do you put candles for what are candles for prayers? prayers prayers right they represent your prayers uh they are used uh to also remind ourselves uh and to have our prayer intentions to use that kind of language uh where do prayer where do the candles go?
1: In the in, in the, the sand? Yeah. sand yeah. Sandbox, <laughs> what do you call that. Uh, just making sure. Um, is there a word
0: for those? Sandboxes? <laughs> I like sandboxes. Okay. <laughs> so You'll Greek find in different like uh Greek word quarter sandbox? uh I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh a lot of Russian churches they don't have sand, uh they have like brass things but they also have like a little platoon of older ladies who are like watching them all the time <laughs> because if they burnt all the way down it is a pain in the to get them out uh, so they you, you'll see there's like cadres of like older ladies and, you're just, and all of a sudden they like dart in a, and like blow stuff out because they're like watching the candles burn down <laughs> we don't have the brat like where it's just like little holes for all of them if you go to other churches you can see that I don't think St. George has that I can't recall what Saint Nectarios has, but if you were to like go into typical Russian church, they typically don't have the sandboxes as much as the Greeks typically have more sandboxes.
1: If, but like if you're doing it at home, can it just be like on a bed of salt instead? Does that matter? If you don't have my it only
0: warning about is that you don't burn down your house. Okay, okay. You can do it. <laughs> I don't know you, if there's like you can do whatever you want, but no. Sand is just so that when it burns down, it's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's <laughs> we'll like, the same thing. Yeah, so like lampadas, uh, which is just a great, like oil lamp, uh, that's also a great way, uh, put it into the wall, you hang it. It's something that is, um, you have to pay attention to, but once it burns down, uh, you can keep it going. Some people have like a 24 set; they always, but you have to keep on trimming the wick or paying attention to that and putting in more oil. So if you Google this stuff, you'll find all sorts of people who will help you to do these things. Because it matters what kind of olive oil you use. All right. Any other, like, etiquette or questions in general? There are certain times. Yes.
1: So the uh, 6.45 a.m. service on Tuesdays.
0: I, I don't even go to that. <laughs> who presides? Nobody presides. Oh. Uh, what that is, is the, I, I believe they, they either do the first or third hour. I think they do the first hour. Uh, and then they do like recitation of the Jesus Prayer uh, together. I think it's just Deacon and Ed who've been coming. Uh, so that is something that if you are available to come mm-hmm. to that, great. I think it's like 30 minutes. It's not a long service. Um, just like the uh, acathist or Akathist, that happens at 1130. There are times I'm here, and there are times I'm not, and people, like, there's a lot of services you don't need a priest to do it, right? Like, you can read the first hour at home. You can do the Jesus prayer at home. You can do Vespers in a, as a layman at home, but if you're doing Vespers at home and you live 10 minutes away and there's doing Vespers here, then you probably are on your way to be a schismatic. As mm-hmm. like leaving, you know. So, just don't do that. But uh, it is meet and right if you want to do services, to do services, and to do them as a layman or laywoman. Layman is just the general term. Um, there are times uh, when you venerate icons and enter, and there's times when you don't. What I mean by that is like when the royal doors. Does everyone know what the royal doors are? The ones in the middle. The ones in the middle that open up rarely basically all things considered if those are open just stay where you're at okay because that means that things are coming in and out the gospel or communion so nobody's going to run into you but it's just you're going to be in the way of altar servers or deacon or priest Uh, so I would also say it's fine uh, to do it at different times because there's a kind of like but, like, if it were, like, halfway through the service and you've come, uh, you don't really need, like, you don't have to go up and venerate the, the, those icons. It's not like you have suddenly not entered in the church because you don't do that. Any other practical questions? Yes.
1: I know there's, I've seen some of the bagel candles up by the doors as they are. Well, just they're bigger or just that like they're the ju- that's
0: so just a the place that folks have decided where the big things okay. are for. If you're in some other orthodox churches they would have like a a whole little station in like different almost like they could it, get it get at like uh, Lowe's or Home Depot or something. you just put all these like candles in like you if you've been to a Roman Catholic Church, they almost inevitably have that somewhere mm-hmm. like that, so there's some orthodox churches that have it like that we just don't have space <laughs> yes. Well, mine's more of a potpourri question you can ask. A potpourri question? Like just a uh,
1: general knowledge, like what? Like we have icons, and I know that the Roman Catholics also have some icons. But but when
0: the did they like our statues. <laughs> I'll talk to you afterwards. <laughs> oh. <laughs> impractical question: um, <clears throat> The altar here
1: does it have a relic in it? And if so, what, who is it?
0: Let me talk. You guys have five minutes. I know, mm-hmm. like I want to end at one thirty, but five minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Temple, let's go back to temple. Everything laid out in Orthodox Church is like the old temple, right? You have the Holy of Holies, which is where the priest, where the altar is. You have the nave, which is still the temple where the the faithful congregate. Uh, But the sacrifice that occurs is the bloodless sacrifice of Christ that we are offering, uh, that is his eternal offering to the Father. This is what happens every Eucharistic liturgy. On the altar itself... We have what? What is on an altar? Instead of me just telling you, what's on the altar? What's on an Orthodox altar? Tabernacle. Tabernacle. What's in the tabernacle? Eucharist. The, the Eucharist. The reserved sacrament. Yeah. Right. The, the pre. This happens on Holy Thursday, where I basically prepare for the year. For when you're sick, if you were sick and in the hospital or you're on your deathbed, then for us, last rites means bringing you, uh, doing confession, communing you. Gospels. The gospel there's it's so the it's not the bible as in like everything it's just the gospels that sits there what else is on the altar discus that is later
1: cross?
0: the cross what does this all sound like what like what is a similar old testament thing that has all of these things what was in the ark? the right? tablets yeah. the rod of aaron and the manna what was that oh, all is yeah that's all mark of the It's all Ark of the Covenant, right? Like, what we have on the altar is all of the things that we understand. Now, it's basically all the Old Testament things, but Jesus has now fulfilled them, right? So, our hymnody talks about the life-giving or, like, the fruitful cross, right? As opposed to Aaron's uh, budding rod, we have the cross. Uh, Instead of the tablets, the Ten Commandments, we have the commandments of our Lord. Instead of the manna that perishes, we have the manna that does not perish. Uh, so there's also the fans, those are to represent the angels, right? Uh, they're also a practical thing uh, historically mm-hmm. to protect the elements against like uh, bugs, right? Because mm-hmm. bugs like to fly, especially sweet wine, they want the sweetness. Mm-hmm. And I have seen a bug totally, not here, but like dive bomb into a chalice before. <laughs> <And> the <laughs> Metropolitan, yeah. they're like deacon, like take care of it and Archdeacon <laughs> comes over and has like you know does he eat it, <laughs> like, <"Yeah>, <laughs> we put it up, he, I watched it because I was a deacon at the time too and I'm like okay note to self this is what happens when this happens and he just took the bug and just like took it over to the side where, because we're outside it's part of the reason why there's a bug, and he just kind of put it right there because I mean he's going to die <laughs> he died bombed into Jesus so he's done. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the wine is they're going to die um but we don't want it to die in the chalice. We want it to die and <laughs> have this piece somewhere
1: else. Uh, yeah.
0: So, any other practical? So you can see that the the worship and the cycle of services that we'll talk about next week are all flowing from and are modeled still off of the Old Testament. When you're reading the, the Book of Acts and you have the apostles after the resurrection, I just got the eyes. Uh, when they go up to the temple. Because we, we don't have churches yet, in the sense that we have. And they're going at the hour, they're going at the set times that you go and do prayers at the temple. We have the same thing, the set times that we do prayers. Uh, spoiler alert, this is where like Muslims get the idea. Like, a lot of things, if you're not like, oh, what are the similarities? Well, who came first? Why do that? Like All sorts of things are similar. Uh, because they're basically copying what was there after they conquered, OK? All right. I got the eye from uh, the, the kid-watching parent. So let's end. If there's any other questions, I'll, I'll, the statute question, I'll, I'll answer that. If somebody wants to stay afterwards, they can stay afterwards for that. Okay? Let's stand in end with prayer. Lord, now, let us, thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes to see my salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, the light to enlighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people of Israel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sorry, this is good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well,